0: folks and welcome to Time To Talk with Tanya Wakelin. I've just spent the most wonderful hour with Tanya talking about her amazing Bug Off Natural Dog Collars, which I absolutely love and which my dogs uh, wear. This is them here for anybody who's watching rather than listening. Um, I just love them. They're great. They look fantastic. And uh, they do the job as well, which has been more important so enjoy the chat with Tanya it ranged far and wide from working on cruise ships and being a translator through to creating these amazing bug off natural dog collars so grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea if it's late at night and enjoy listening to the chat take care take it steady and stay safe bye guys Hi folks, I'm here with Tanya Wakelin from the Natural Bug-Off Collars Company. And I first came across Tanya, I think it was the beginning of last year, in relation to her collars, which I absolutely love and look amazing on the dogs, very bohemian. Um, Tanya, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you agreed to come on. Hi Les, thank you for having me. We we had a little chat on uh, Facebook, on our messenger the other day, And the information that Tanya gave me about what she's done was just amazing. And I was so excited yesterday at the thought of getting you on the podcast. So before we get into um, the collars and how they came about, uh, can you just tell me your involvement with dogs? Because I know you've got a Munsterlander. So tell me your life with dogs first, before we do the collars. It started
1: when I was about 12. And my parents, uh, first of all, had a, a German shepherd pup. Uh Uh, but unfortunately they had to return that to the breeder because we lived in Amsterdam on the third floor and my mum could not manage a German Shepherd puppy. So that broke all our hearts really, but it went to a good home afterwards. And then they decided they could manage a smaller dog, so they got a Yorkshire Terrier. Um, And I remember at the time, we, we absolutely adored this dog, but he was so badly behaved and he got away with murder and he used to bark at everything and and everybody. So I remember thinking as a teenager that if I always wanted dogs, oh. uh, that if I ever got a dog, I would train it properly. Uh, I've done okay with mine, but they could still be better. Um, so anyway, I went to uh, work on ships when I was uh, 23. And that's where I met my husband, Jonathan. Well, what
0: did you do on the ships? I can't let that one go past. What did you do on the ships?
1: Uh, well, I, because of, I speak a few languages, uh-huh. I uh, was hired in the gift shop uh, to sell things like jewellery, cosmetics, clothing, etc. Uh-huh. And did that for, I'm trying to think now, most of 84 and all of 85, so nearly two years. And wow. um, it, it, it's a nice life. Uh, but it's not a real life. So we came off um, and it was much easier to settle in um, in the UK because my, my husband uh, spoke no Dutch and I spoke English. So we settled down in Wales. I couldn't have a dog at the time because I was looking for jobs and I was working many different jobs. I sold cosmetics for Clinique and I've sold retirement flats uh, I was a customer service supervisor for a while for a company called NK Interface selling stationery that they printed. Mm-hmm. Um, I did freelance translating on the site for an agency from mid-Wales. Um, and then uh, basically, uh, because I was working from home, I could finally have a dog. I had cats up until then. I'm not really a cat person. I do quite mm-hmm. like them, but I'm more a dog person. They they seem to return love a lot more than most cats that I, I've had. Yeah. No, I, um, I get that. I used to have a main coon. We couldn't
0: have dogs. I was working full time uh, in IT. So it was a really, and my husband was working full time in IT, really long hours. And um, we we got main coon. Lovely. It's kind of a spot out between, between getting a dog. But yeah, can I ask well, you what the translating before we move on to other stuff? Because I want to keep, there's some stuff in there. Oh, I've got to ask you about that. How did you find translating? Because I don't speak any languages,
1: uh, um, including English and Geordie. Um, well, I, di- I did mainly Dutch English, English Dutch, uh-huh. uh, some, some German and French on the site, but it was very little. Um, and what I found was that because I spoke so much English and very little Dutch, mm-hmm. that I actually preferred... To translate from Dutch into English and the other way around because I was constantly looking for words and in, in those days you didn't have google translate and yeah. I was I was working with uh, mountains of uh, dictionaries and uh, but it was really good fun and, and my favorite stuff I used to translate was for the Welsh tourist board I used to love doing that um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it sort of eventually petered out a bit uh, because I think maybe, maybe it wasn't needed as much. Um, more and more Dutch people speaking English anyway. Do you speak Welsh? No, I tried to learn. Uh-huh. Um, but with everything else that was going on at the time, I just couldn't find the time. So I understand some of it. Uh-huh. And I do like to watch uh, certain Welsh programmes, but I do watch it with the subtitles. English subtitles. Because you've got, you've got a bit of a Welsh accent. I hadn't, the more you talk,
0: the more I can hear the twang.
1: Yes, yes, I have picked it up. But then I have been in Wales since December 85. So I, I had better pick it up, I think.
0: <laughs> OK, so because I moved down to Worthing in um, 86. I left Townside in 86. And then I've lived in Auckland, New Zealand, and I didn't pick the accents up. At least I don't think I picked the accents up. Joplin it doesn't
1: also. sound like it to me, but <laughs> it,
0: who knows? It's it's interesting. So, can I ask? Because I find being being a writer, I find language just amazing. And um, I have had somebody offer to translate my books into German. But when you're reading something or um, translating and it's not in your native language how how do you do it because as I say I don't do languages so would you would you read the book in English and translate the words in, in, in Dutch or any other language in your head or not
1: not with English anymore I would probably say I now dream in English uh, do, you know, do you know when you do oh, a, wow. a, a, a count say you're counting some coins in your head uh-huh. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that in Dutch anymore. I've, for years, I've been doing that in English. Uh-huh. Um, my husband always teases me because when I do visit my mum, who still lives in the Netherlands, uh-huh. uh, I have to find loads of words back into Dutch. Um, and when I've spent, say, five, six days with her, my Dutch is much better, but my husband says, your English has deteriorated. <laughs> and he's an English teacher, so he knows. Oh my goodness, he teaches English. You use your mouth very differently for the two languages so that, that that takes a bit of a switch in the brain right uh, one of my
0: friends well she she's a, a really good uh, old friend of mine and she taught me uh, touch for health and she lived in france for a while and she did this most amazing uh french french accent so she was speaking english but she would put this like really really heavy french yes ripping french accent on it and she'd always pretend she was holding one of these. Is, is it a churrut? The really long brown... Sweat? Oh, the
1: churros, yes. It was, yeah. So she
0: would imagine she was holding it. And her whole mouth, her whole face, facial structure completely changed. Yes. Like almost, uh, not dawa, but um, almost... But a, a very, but also very drawn and... Down <laughs> like that, almost, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't do accents, I struggle taking the mickey out of my husband, who's Scottish. I shouldn't say that living in Scotland now, but I, trying to do a Scottish accent is beyond me, even. But she, yeah. everything about her face changed. So, do you do that when you're speaking a different language? Do you take on the facial mannerisms. Of I think country. so. I
1: mean, I always crack my husband up because when, when he, his French is quite good as well, actually, uh, but when we're speaking and at the end of the uh, the sentences, the French will quite often say "huh" eh? like that, and I, I tend to use my shoulders doing that, and it cracks him up knowing the Gallic shrug, huh? Or <laughs> or the, or the um,
0: it's like the kids know if everything's like at the end, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean,
1: right. like? the, the Welsh are very much like that, yes. They? We often, uh, well, we, I consider myself more Welsh these days, but uh, we often say things like, oh, that tasted really good, like. And that is a very Welsh type of expression.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think what they say in Scotland. I mean, the Ken, Ken is a lot, you, you know, you can, you can. Yes.
1: And yeah. that. Um... I love all the different accents and, and languages in general fascinate me. It's amazing, isn't it? I, and uh, when we lived, um,
0: when I first moved down to Worthing, I could pinpoint where people lived within six mile, because really, yeah, because the like the Lansing accent is really different to the little Hampton accent, which is really different to the Worthing accent to the Brighton accent, and but the people who lived there couldn't really hear it because they were surrounded by and outsider. Yes, like the people in Lansing almost had like a cockney twang to it and so it was
1: it was just really interesting living in south wales though i'm not really surrounded by what i would say strong welsh speakers there are welsh speakers around here but in south wales it's a little bit more like i'm so close to bristol anyway about 20 minutes uh, a, a lot of bristolians and english people live this side of the bridge because it's cheaper
0: yeah and, and the commute to london as well don't they from bristol there's a lot of it's yeah. a, that real M4 corridor because we used to live in Marlborough. And so I oh, know yeah. M4 corridor really well. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. <laughs> I know, not not so much me but Hobby. But um so
1: what happened when you stopped being a translator? Um well, uh like I said, the, the translation work sort of uh, dried up a little bit. Um and um uh, I was spending more and more time with my dogs out of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. I forgot to tell you, of course, how I acquired my first dog. Um, oh, sorry. That was, uh, I'm trying to think very quickly now. I think it was about 1999. Uh-huh. And uh, my husband was working in Spain during the week and at home on weekends. And I must say, I really needed the company uh, yeah. of a it. Um, and we, we took on a, a yellow Labrador pup from Showline, and unfortunately he was very badly bred with bad joints and um. his first year was marred very much by uh, operations on his hock and elbows etc but he lived a long and help, happy life mm-hmm. uh, until he was 12 and a half and he i acquired a, a chocolate labrador again from Showline's, much better bred i'm still very much friendly with her breeder mm-hmm. um and with her um, she was um, she would do anything for food she wasn't motivated by anything else but food typical Labrador and I did lots of different things and, jo- and started joining the Rockwood Dog Display Team in Kapili. I,
0: I saw that that was something and I did have a little look on it this morning um
1: to see what they were doing so yeah. what did you do in in the Rockwood Display Team? Well, when I first joined, uh, you you sort of only do the basics. So we did the basic obedience routine. And like I said, she she would do the, the obedience just for the food. Um, we did an agility run. Uh, you'll have to look at some of the videos on the website. They're really good. Mm-hmm. And um, I realized then uh, I retired her at around the age of nine because uh, a pedigree Labrador from um, show lines uh, is not as agile, uh-huh. uh, so it was time for her to take a step back. I taken on a rescue collie, um, and she performed I for really a few. Cool. See, yeah, she was she was hard work. Mind she um, uh, needed a lot of training. Of course, she was already a year old when I got her, which does make life slightly more difficult uh-huh. retraining uh, when it's not a puppy. She performed for a couple of seasons and I knew I was ready for a maybe slightly more challenging breed. And I read more, about Sorry, a more challenging than the than a collie. Yeah, but she wasn't a typical mad collie. She oh. needed to learn manners and stuff, but she didn't have that drive that a lot of collie's have got with agility. And um I, I never took my agility very seriously. I just dabbled at it as I told you. Uh-huh. And um Uh, I I read about the Munsterlander breed uh, in one of the magazines and I did a whole year of research into the breed because I thought I hope I'm not taking on more than I can handle knowing Ah. now I I was working from home so I had the time and uh, acquired my first Munsterlander maya in uh, uh, trying to think now she was born in May so about July 2008.
0: Okay so a little while ago so was it what which type was it the large
1: be first yes, yes. You'd you, well. you'd you'd be very hard pushed now to find uh, the small Munsterlander in this country. I don't think there are any really? actual breeders. But and and the group of breeders, um, the large Munsterlander community, is not huge either. But uh, they're easier to come by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 you have to expect to get grilled about what you want to do with your dog because it needs being kept busy. Do. It's. Uh, well, they they sort of describe them as the energy of the Springer, with the intelligence of the Collie. So they're always a step uh, in front of you. You 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 really have to make sure you uh, know what you're doing because they they can be hard work, and they're really independent.
0: On the it's a really independent breed. It's like as soon as you take that, well, lead, it's like okay, fine, I know what I'm doing. Leave me to it.
1: You know they're an HPR, and they often think for themselves. Uh huh. Many a time have I, and Maya is still with me at 12. Um, many a time have I sent her to go and get a dummy, say, to the left. Uh-huh. And, and she will look at me with this look as if to say, you do not know what you're doing. <laughs> and She'll go to the right and I'll stop her on the whistle. Uh, and I send her back to the left and she refuses. And eventually she does her own thing and she finds a dummy because I'd forgotten that the one on the left had already been collected by the previous dog. Oh, how
0: they are, they're, they're really, I mean, I really like them. I've trained, I've trained a couple, but the favourite one I trained was called Jasper. And I can't remember. Tansenbach.
1: Tansenbach? Oh, Tansenbach, yes. Carol's yes. No I of the kennels.
0: Yeah, so it was, it was Jasper. And he was, I mean, he, he was constantly winning crofts and being placed and, he was an amazing dog, and Carol. Name his does breed.
1: ring a bell, actually. What year was that, Les?
0: When when I trained him. Yeah. That would have been two thousand and eight, two
1: thousand and nine. So I was just getting into the breed and yes. finding my
0: feet. Yes. So, he was in the pet gun dog. He's one of the dogs. I. Uh, let me see. I've got a great photo of him. So
1: that's a May. Oh wow. Does it say underneath the photo, was he a Tansenbach water, water man or something, a water dog? Um, he had like um, another uh, part to his name.
0: I can't, I really can't remember. Um, yeah. No, I can't. I mean, he was a stunning dog. Sorry, I'm, I'm showing photos at the minute. He was a stunning you- dog. And he was, he was really independent. And from, if memory serves me, he w- went and then come back to, to Carol because the, Person who had him struggled with him. Um, what an amazing dog! And his his uh, children, his his uh, the, the, the put see Syed, also went on to do really really well. Crafts very versatile. So they're all working dogs, not just show dogs.
1: Yeah. Also. This is what I like about the breed, by the way, is that uh, there is no distinction between the uh, the one that is shown and the one that is worked. It yes. really our our sort of key expression is. Uh, Today in the show ring, tomorrow in the field, and I do like that about them. That's really good because the lines have really changed, haven't they, over the
0: years? um, In relation to, uh, I I mean, most of, I would say, a lot of the British gun dogs, you've got a very different stamp to them. So you know, the the working cocker is very different to uh, the English cocker or the cocker spaniel. Even though on the pedigrees they're both called a cocker spaniel. The, the, the look different, the temperaments are different. Everything about them is it's kind of a different breed, but they're still called Spaniels and the working labs as well. Yes. Uh, everything is just streamlined and slimmer and a lot more. Yes. Agile and faster, yeah. mentally faster. More, more fit for purpose, I would say. Definitely more fit for purpose. And um, do you think the breed lines are changing? Do you think that they, they're starting to merge? Or do you think they're
1: separating even more? In what breed, Les? Um, just generally, the working to show. Oh, I think they're separating more. I, I, if you put a, a working lab next to a show lab, uh, they don't really look the same breed anymore, do they? The heads, there. I, I actually, this is only perf- personal preference. I quite like the head on the show lines, but I like the body and the the sort of agility of the of the working lines.
0: Yeah, some. I I think some of the working labs are starting to look a bit snivy. Ah yes, I've noticed uh, that too. A bit, yeah, a bit. Maybe the pointy yeah. wearers. Um, certainly, m- my labs have still got strong heads. I-, I, I only have boys, and they've got strong heads. I can remember when I t- um, took Bart with me to New Zealand. So I t- my dog and my cat, which was a bad idea taking the cat, but I took Bart and um, Charlie with me to New Zealand. And when I was entering Bart in the competitions, I said, you oh, know, he's, he's a Labrador cross. <laughs> no, he's a working lab. No, he, you know, because they hadn't seen work. Right. They'd only seen the show style or the show work. <coughs> They'd never seen like, uh, he's a, um, a Drake's head tibia cross, all in his lines. And so he was very tall, very slim, but with a strong head. Uh, Not- and they thought he was a cross because they'd not seen a tall Slim Labrador before.
1: Well, I'm sure it doesn't compare to all the sort of things I get asked about my Munsterlanders, whether they are long-haired Dalmatians or... Oh, really? Uh, or, uh, I mean, I quite often laughingly say, that, oh, they're like Spaniels on steroids. They've just grown a bit too much, that sort of thing, you know. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very specialised breed, but I, it's so addictive. I've got three. And I'm considering... Three? Yes, and I'm considering a possible four. you know, so four is my lucky number.
0: <laughs> we'll see. You've got your well, shopping list, you're doing your research while we're in lockdown, ready to just get out there with your purse. Oh
1: no, I've been on this list since uh, last um, autumn, winter. So yes, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, fantastic. Any, any moment I'm, I'm waiting to find out whether she's actually pregnant or not. So we'll see. What are the minutes? so oh, she's been covered? Awesome. She she was covered just before. Uh, well, it was tenth of March, so we'll see. Oh, I keep my fingers crossed for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do
0: look a bit like, uh, y- y- you know, springers on steroids. I yeah. Saw in Marlborough, there was a lad who had a small monster land and Used to go running with it, and the first time I saw it, I did a double take. Yeah. You know. They're
1: nice. I like the small man I belong to some of the Facebook groups because it's the sort of breed I think. Now if I get a little bit too old to to actually because they have very strong dogs, the large man's could I manage the small man So it's sort of in the back of my mind, but they're not easy to come by. they're not and also I was talking to Nick Ridley the other day and we were talking about how
0: we get when we get older, um, we should really uh, downsize the energy of our dogs, but upsize the size of them so that when these on, we're not constantly bending over yes. into little dogs. So, yeah, we yeah. can get a giant one, a
1: giant monster,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I hope not, as it is some of the uh, the males in the show ring um, are getting bigger. Oh really? Yeah, it, it's personal choice. Uh, my uh, eight-year-old Brennan, he is quite compact, so he's lovely and square as they should be. But he's quite compact, so he only weighs about 27 kilos, whereas some some of the monster males in the ring can be 43 to 45 kilos. That is big. And they're not fat; they're just big. So, solid, solid dogs. Yeah. Yeah, because um,
0: Jasper was huge. I mean, he was he was tall and lean, but there was a lot of dog there. A lot, a lot of dog. I don't can't remember how heavy he was. It was a long time ago. He was he was a lot of dog. He was lovely. So you know, he'd run like this and he'd be like flouncing, (laughs) going everywhere. Bless. (laughs) put my gold into shame. So, um, oh my goodness, so how did you, what took you from the path of uh, translating and getting a dog, you know, from a, a Yorkshire Terrier through Collie through Munsterlander,
1: uh, don't forget my two Labradors in between oh my goodness I forgot your two labs <laughs> in the middle they they were our first dogs together as a married couple yes they had a huge impact on us and we we lost them in 2011 uh, within three months of each other they weren't young to die uh, Quincy our yellow lab was 12 and a half um, so you know uh, he'd done okay um, and Basha our chocolate lab Uh, was 11 and a half, but had been fighting uh, muscle cell tumors for quite some time. Okay. And that was really, for me, the trigger when we were um, not trying to cure her, but uh, to treat her as as good as possible during her cancer. I did a lot of research into food to start with. And I learned learned things like... um, how um, high high carb foods like um, and and everybody to their own. I'm, I'm not going to uh, preach about raw feeding, but that high high carb foods can feed certain cancers, etc. So uh, I first of all I, I I was feeding them dried food and I found a dried food which was based upon I think it was duck duck and vegetable mm-hmm. and uh, it was a small company and and she did okay on that. Um, when we lost the labradors. Um we went from four dogs to two. I had the one Munsterlander girl and our rescue collie um, and I kept feeding them this this food um, and uh, a friend who at the time was a Munsterlander puppy coordinator mm-hmm. for the for the club. She contacted me and she said, uh, have you considered getting another Mensterlander? And we were, we were uh, grieving quite badly. We were quite shell-shocked. Yeah. And I said, oh, I don't know, Wendy. It's, uh, it's not time yet. Anyway, she said, well, I'm just letting you know that a friend of mine, and um, imagine now I live near Newport in Gwent. Uh-huh. She's in Grantham in Lincolnshire. Okay, okay. This breeder. And she said, she's using your bitch's dad. So that's Maya's father. Uh-huh. Uh, for one last time. Oh. So, and I liked Maya a lot. Um, and anyway, uh, long story short, I acquired six months after the death of our uh, labs, I acquired Maya's half-brother and went to uh, Grantham to pick him up. Uh-huh. And the first three months I had him, I was pulling my hair out because he was such hard work compared to his I half-brother. Really? <laughs> But to be fair, he settled down. And I, I often call him my little canine soulmate because he's so tuned in to me. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I shan't bore you with how one... I mean, I have no favorites, but he is just the one that constantly, without being clingy, he's not Velcro-like, um, always looks in my eyes as if to say, you okay, man? And he knows when I'm upset or yeah. when I'm happy... He's a noisy sod at times. I've <laughs> tried I've tried working. I mean, my, my bitch was so good. Um, she lacked a bit of confidence, but he doesn't. I've tried working him at a few working tests. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm afraid uh, I failed him a little bit. He screams the place down at times oh in no. excitement. They are a very noisy breed. I've got to tell you that. Right. There are some lines that do better than others. Mm-hmm. And I've got a very good friend in North Wales. You may have come across her name called Karen mm-hmm. Uh And she has Echolander and two and bitches do absolutely fantastic. And she's made a couple of them into field trial champions. That is awesome. And to do that with a lander, let me tell you that that takes some effort. Um, I I can't even imagine to go down that path with mine I'm afraid.
0: Patients are the
1: saint So anyway coming back to the natural means um, Brennan my large man's lander at about uh, three to four months old I noticed he had what I would think was a grass pollen allergy right. uh, and he had. Uh, he, he's quite light and I think possibly the lighter dogs suffer a bit more Mm -hmm. Um, And he had like a sort of uh, acne in his groins, etc. So I started researching how to get rid of that. Uh, Preferably not by the means that uh, the vet uh, that I was visiting at least once a month would give either steroids or antibiotics because of course it would turn into a bacterial infection. Nothing major. He wasn't ill or anything. Uh It was just, I knew he was itchy. So a friend of mine was raw feeding and she said, "Um, why don't you try it? What have you got to lose? So I tried just him to start with. And I wouldn't say it cured him, but my word did it improve him. Yeah. So that was my first step on the road to natural means. It wasn't long after that I put them all over to raw feeding and bought a 300-litre chest freezer. Oh, I know. In the garage. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I started looking at um, uh, vaccinating uh, and boosting, etc., Um, And I will say in those days, I I, I wasn't at the vet very often, but there was always something little going on. They either had a little bit of conjunctivitis or they had this or that or an upset tummy. And I looked in, I joined Canine Health Concern and... um, Oh, uh, Catherine O'Driscoll. Yes. Yeah, she's amazing, isn't she? And um, I looked into titer testing. So I, I decided not to titer test Maya because by that time she was already about seven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, she's been boosted every year, enough is enough. Even if her titer test said that uh, she needed anything, I, I thought that was enough. Mm-hmm. So, But I had um, both boys titered, and they came back really, really good, really high. And I don't think they've been boosted since. And every three years or so, um, I have them titered, and their, their readings remain high. Mm-hmm. So the next natural step seemed it, to be... Can I jump in before you go on? The next natural sure. step?
0: Can you just say what the testing is for everybody who might not, anybody who right. might Well, there, are, there are
1: different means out there, but um, mm-hmm. because I joined Canine Health Concern, uh, I joined the Somerset group and in uh, Cleve Village Hall from time to time, they hold a clinic. Uh-huh. This is where I met Nick Thompson for the first time. He's ah. just And um, uh, basically uh, you have to be on the list because the demand is high. And and they are able to keep the cost down because if you went to your vet and asked for a tighter test, and they were willing to do it because not all vets are, because they think it's possibly cheaper and easier to do the booster vaccination. Uh, And I shan't go into why I don't agree with that. That's for everybody else to research and decide. Thank you. Um, uh, They kept the cost down, I think it's about 35 40 pounds per dog. Really? I know. Uh, whereas the vet may charge you 100 or 200 pounds. Yeah. And, uh, because they can't buy uh, in, in, in less than, I think it's 12 tests. And the one that Canine Health Concern used was VaxiCheck. And um, basically, they take a bit of blood from your dog. Uh, and within about a week to 10 days, you get an email and they list the uh, tighter values for the three main core diseases which are hepatitis distemper and parvo uh-huh. they can't test for lepto uh-huh. but that's a whole different subject maybe for another time because i do not like the leptospirosis vaccine at all which which one the two other four either but definitely more than anything i dislike the four oh it's horrific isn't it oh the the things i've read about that but again everybody needs to do their own research i i i don't like preaching to people i say listen if you want to have advice I'll tell you what I know. I'm not a vet. I'm not a, uh, an expert. Do your research and then make a, an informed decision. So, yeah, so that is what title testing is, basically. It, it tells you whether the dog still uh, carries immunity to um, certain core diseases. Thank you. And
0: before, before you go on, because I'm finding this so interesting, before you go on, the kid in health concern, I... I I get the newsletter and stuff but I didn't realize there was different groups dotted around they have like subgroups so um, on Facebook or do you have to contact Catherine to join it or no
1: um I don't know how I came about it but I remember that I went to a lecture that was held by Nick Thompson in I think it was Tinton Village Hall which is not that far for me to go to um and um I befriended one of the ladies who runs the Somerset group, and that's that's how I got into it. When I'm oh, okay, as the crow flies, I you know I'm very close to Somerset, but I still have to go over the bridge to get there. But no, they're all lovely, lovely people with all similar feelings about uh, a more natural approach. I got to say at this point, however, and this is really important, I don't dislike f- vets. I've got a really good veterinary practice. They do think I'm a little bit hippie, <laughs> uh, my, uh, my uh, approaches and I wouldn't hesitate to contact them if it was necessary uh, be it an accident or a, or a severe illness etc but I will always try and look to see if uh, minor stuff can be cured with natural uh, non-invasive means if you know what I mean
0: Thank you and on that point it is really important because I used to do kinesiology on dogs I used to work with dogs and horses and do kinesiology with them um we have to be really mindful of the 1962 veterinary exemptions act and only vets can treat um animals and you have to work under the supervision sort of, of your vet so if it's your own animal then have a really good conversation with your vet and, and as you say develop the relationship with them and i think i mean i'm looking my vet is also um an acupuncturist and a physiotherapist which is yes so i talk to Miriam, who I'm hoping to get on the podcast at some point. Uh, so I've got a really good relationship with Miriam and also she works out of a conventional veterinary practice as well. So I've got that relationship there. But it is, um, I think it's great. You know, I used to do natural horsemanship as well and I think it's fantastic trying to treat the animals in the way that the energy system dictates, which is as natural yes. as possible. Yeah. Um, but you know, just like us, sometimes we need medical intervention. of course.
1: i mean i um I will always for myself, look at a natural means first, and if that doesn't work, then I may go and see a doctor. but in general, yes, I'm a great believer of homeopathy and and uh, similar um, supplementary medicine i, I like I, I like the word supplementary. I'm not trying to replace anything. I'm just trying to add to what I can do for my dogs in this case or myself. Yeah. So you're complementing rather than doing alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So basically so. when I had, uh, gone away from boosting and, and tighter testing, uh-huh. I then looked at, uh, I, I went, uh, like I said, to one of the, um, lectures that Nick held uh-huh. and the one thing he said always stuck in my mind with regards to things like worming, etc. Mm-hmm. And he said, pretty sure, I hope I'm not misquoting him. Uh, the way we worm, etc., our dogs chemically, is like you getting up in the morning, taking a stiff dose of aspirin just in case you might get a headache in the afternoon. Yes. And I really liked that metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yes, what I'm doing is my dogs don't have worms. And yet I'm giving them worming medication, for instance, when they don't need it at that point, just in case they, and of course you had to do it monthly or whatever. So I then looked into all sorts of natural worming stuff. Uh, I I give things like diatomaceous earth and uh, ground pumpkin seeds, and they get a little bit of apple cider vinegar, a tiny bit of garlic, nothing too much, because I know in large quantities, garlic is not advised. Mm -hmm. Um... And um, I stopped doing the chemical spot on. Um, I, I, I was very much into applying stuff like attracut, et cetera, on on, yeah. on on the neck. And I didn't like it because you could see all the warnings and the dogs hated it. And so I investigated further. I thought I'm now 75% of the way to going natural. This has got to be the way to go. And um, uh I know that the garlic and the apple cider vinegar. I started using Billy Nomates. Yes. Um, so, yes. uh, no really yeah, see, Yes, really good stuff. Um, and uh, but I was still getting some tick problems. Uh-huh. Um, it's not too bad where I am here, but as you know, we travel the country with the uh, the display team, uh-huh. and especially in areas like the New Forest, etc. They were oh, picking them quite badly. Faithful. And um, I have. Munster friends, um, because it's such a close community all, all over the world. I, I belong to the American group and obviously the Dutch group. And one of my Dutch Munster friends, on her own timeline, posted these uh, very hippie looking collars, uh-huh. and I said, "That's nice." Uh, and the nosy person that I am, I said on her on her thread. Uh, Anita, what are these colors? And she said, well, and, and I'm a bit like that as well, actually. She said, I, I can't really explain to you how they work, but they are tick repellent. Uh-huh. And she she uh, provided me uh, via private messaging with some links that there isn't a whole load of research into it, unfortunately. You have to really look for it. And um, I looked at the links and I said, okay, I quite like the idea of this. It, uh, it'll go nicely, fit nicely into my arsenal of, Billy No Mates, et cetera. And uh, I went on Amazon and I had a look and I saw it's 30 pounds. I had four dogs at the time and I saw it 120 pounds for something that I can't really say yet whether it'll work or not. Um, obviously nothing is guaranteed. No. And uh, I thought, I wonder what they're using. So I, I have to tell you, I looked at the photos uh, of uh, my friend's supplier in the Netherlands mm. and I probably could have ordered them from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like making my own things i um i, I I'm a bit of a tinkerer mm-hmm. and um i um i I enlarged the photos to see how she'd made them and etc. Uh-huh. and the hardest part was getting hold of the bead uh, okay. because they are specialized beads um i I started off by ordering them by Amazon, and it cost an arm and a leg because I only wanted a small amount to make my own collars for my own dogs, yeah. And I think I paid more for the postage than I did did for the beads in the end. Um, Anyway, I ordered some paracord and uh, I made the very basic uh, black collars for my own dogs. And I started noticing that uh, it really did work. Mm -hmm. Um, No 100% guarantee they still picked up the odd tick. Uh, But I also noticed a change in the behavior of the tick. So rather than finding these huge engorged ticks, they often fe- uh, fell off on the ground without having fed. Okay. Yeah. Which was, you know, it, it's in line with what this these EM beats do. Um, so obviously, then it started from there. I had friends asking, "What's that around their neck, Tanya?" And uh, I said, "Well, it's this," and I'm having a go. And and they all in the beginning, I was making them all free of charge for friends, etc. Um, and then I started getting inquiries from Munster friends uh, from Scotland and. Uh, this is how it started, and I don't know how many colors I've made, but I would say I've made thousands. Wow! A thousand, um, and and I would say ninety nine percent of my customers are really pleased with them.
0: Yeah, I mean i I love mine absolutely love them. Um, I've taken dantes off so I can hold it up and show everybody. So I'll,
1: I'll show you the latest one I made for my uh, nah, young. Same. young same one isn't
0: it or slightly different so it, mine is blue camel. with the if just for the people who are listening today so
1: well, this is like, called cop stopper it's one of the new colors so that's the nice thing for me when a new color comes out i can do it on my own dogs first and see what it looks like it
0: looks, yeah. it. so just if anybody's listening rather than watching it's um it's a paracord collar which is braided and plaited
1: and Embedded within the platte, or what are these called e m beads e m beads it stands for um, effective microorganisms okay, and it looks very bohemian, and certainly on
0: uh, on my spaniel who's very hairy and has got a really curly top knot he just looks very um oh, very artistic, doesn't he? he's, he's very. Some
1: of, some of my customers call them hippie collars i don 't mind that.
0: Yeah, okay, so he's got a hippie collar, he's he, his boho collar. So yeah. tell me about these beads because I know you said you, 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 you know, it's quite technical, and it is. you said you've got some information. So, would you mind just sharing it, Tanya? Because I think these are fantastic and I recommend them all the time, right? Well, yes. I know
1: you have, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, okay, I'm not very good with the science, so basically, um, I'll, let me. Are you happy for me to read something else? Yes,
0: please do. Please because do.
1: then, like I said, I can't misquote things. So it says basically that it stands for microorganisms, effective microorganisms. Mm-hmm. And uh, it refers to a family of micro uh, bio-based products using a technology developed by a Japanese scientist. Uh, now, this goes back a long time. If I'm not mistaken, it goes back possibly as far as the 1970s. Right. And it's a, it was a li- liquid bacterial product that uh, he was devising. And from what I remember, is that um, he had he, he stopped his research and chucked this bacterial liquid on a on a patch like um, uh, what do you call that? Um, where he was growing some veg, like a, a little allotment. Yeah. And he came back from a, from a holiday, I believe, and noticed that this one patch was growing better than any of the others. Mind so, mind. what it's saying is that uh, beneficial bacteria are baked into these pipes oh. at a very high temperature. Now, I've had some people uh, with uh, uh, scientific degrees uh, trying to tell me that those bacteria would not survive under high temperatures. Mm-hmm. It's not about the bacteria being live. For a start, the baking happens under what they call an anaerobic process, mm-hmm. so um, oxygen is removed from the baking uh, process. It's more to do. You know how homeopathy works, pardon me. <coughs> with um, level. Yeah. Yes, and um, uh, it's almost like the memory of the um, of the uh, remedy remains in the homeopathic remedy, even though it's been diluted so many times. It's it's similar to the EM beads. Um, The imprint remains in the beads without there actually being live bacteria at that point in the beads. But you've got to to treat the color as if it is live. So for instance, a lot of people say to me, can I use this together with chemical spot-ons? No, you definitely cannot. Um, I have no anecdotal uh, evidence to say it kills the collars, but you are basically defeating uh, the object if you do that. Yes. Um, Initially, I thought the beats would last several years. I saw uh, um, a Canadian website that uh, advised people to change the beat every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I noticed on my own collars because I've only been doing this two years, That after about 12 to 14 months, they were less effective. So I did go back to my customers and said, listen, I know I said to you, I was hoping that this would last several years, but you just assess for yourself, keep them really clean. It's important to keep these beads really clean every couple of weeks minimum. Um, But if you see that they're not as effective anymore, you will have to replace them. They've done their job and they're finished. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I found that really hard because at at the time I thought I I wasn't counting or wishing for repeat customers I thought I've you know you've got a collar now get on with it but it turned out that they do need replacing yeah but you you know uh,
0: that that's what happens isn't it I mean we we, you you know you have to regularly top things up and that's okay so how do I clean my collar
1: how do you you collar? Don't do what some of my lovely customers have done, either on purpose or by mistake, and chuck them in the washing machine. <laughs> I, I know wash-
0: somebody who's just done that.
1: <laughs> yes. I think it may be a mutual mutual friend of ours. <laughs> uh, it put one, of one gentleman who actually put them in the dishwasher. Oh, man! <laughs> uh, it's not the heat that hurts them. Uh, it's the chemicals. Yeah. So... What I do every couple of weeks, or more often if they've been rolling, which is their fa- one of their favourite pastimes, um, I run a, a fairly warm tap, uh, and I rub the beads and the cords under the the, the warm water. Uh-huh. Now, sometimes, especially with my youngest, who is a real mud magnet, I use um, a nail brush, especially on the beads. Right, and that won't harm them at all. They they're quite hard. Um, just brush the beads then and if you have sun as we have at the moment a bit more difficult in the winter dry them in the sun it uh, according to the instructions it recharges the yeah. the beads Revitalizes them. yeah uh, and the cleaner you keep them the better they work because otherwise the beads get obviously coated in the oils that come off naturally come off dog skin as well i'm just looking at mine and seeing how clean they are
0: they they're pretty clean they yes need- that looks
1: pretty good from here
0: I, I do use a toothbrush on not my toothbrush, but I use an old toothbrush. That's not
1: bad actually. I I'm finding um the uh the nail brush a bit easier because I can scrub the cord as well. And the good thing is that to be fair to the paracord, it is very hard wearing.
0: It's it's I mean I absolutely love mine and I have seen a massive difference. So when we first moved it to Scotland, um I don't use spot on or anything. I haven't used it. Craigie Both died in twenty ten. And the last time I used it was on him, so it would have been before then. I put it on, a scalded him. I put it on his shoulders and I scalded him. He had a burn.
1: Oh my cold. word. Uh,
0: yeah. Rinsed him off, and I haven't used it Spot On since. Uh, yeah. so that would have been 2008, 2009, something like that. Um, and I've been using Billy No but my current dogs aren't keen on it. So I use Bruce yeah. Easton, and, and it wasn't quite enough to keep them tick free. You know, you put in Bruce Easton. When I found your collars, I mean, last year between the two dogs running in the woods through, in a a wooded copse through the ferns um, and the grasses and the long grass and the white grass, especially in Spaniel, uh, probably the whole of last year ended up with half a dozen ticks between the two dogs, which is amazing.
1: That's very good, actually. Really good.
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't mind having even half a dozen ticks each uh, over the summer.
1: And, and well, before I put these on our dogs, uh, I mean, um, some monsters are quite precious and don't like going into undergrowth and, and shrubbery. And my girls, my girls like that. The boys are nuts, and they will dive into the middle of um, of, of shrubs just to flush a pheasant or whatever. Um, and especially the young one before I had these collars he would come out and I hadn't checked him over straight away to bring him back to the caravan while, while we were on holiday in the for, uh, New Forest and I freaked out because I must have found 20 ticks on him and they were deer ticks because they're even more difficult to take yeah. off because they're smaller than the normal tick the little red ones you know when I started using the collars, I did not eliminate the problem. But like you said, I didn't, didn't half uh, minimise the problem. I'd find the odd tick maybe every other day, which considering what my dogs were up to was good going. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what I hadn't realised
0: uh, with ticks, you, you know, I've, I, I've always had really good relationships with my vets and my vet, yeah. Malbra, uh, Juliet Haywood from Riverside. She used to own Riverside. Uh, we've talked she's a gun dog girl as well and we talk a lot about ticks and um she thinks i'm a bit of a wacky hippie as well and that's okay uh, but what i hadn't realized is the the ticks as soon they'll be on like grasses and stuff and as soon as they feel movement the spring the the launch themselves off the grass yeah and land on the dog or you um and i it was, it was fascinating and the temperature got to rise at a certain point and then the wake up and just start springing off everything as soon as... I think they also out. detect
1: carbon monoxide from the dog's breath, etc.
0: Do they? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, they're, they're really... They I mean, are gross. They make, me, they make me cringe and they make me yeah. freak out. I've had one of my friends had Lyme's disease of a dietic and oh another friend had a shower. She had her dog in the bed with her, which I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> she went in the shower and she felt something and it was a tick
1: embedded
0: in her backside and you just go Oh my
1: god the thought of it is just some of my customers um i i never like i said i never meant to grow this into a business it just happened okay reluctantly almost um they uh, they've had ticks themselves and for one customer i actually made a necklace And she was so dedicated to that, she wore it to bed, which can't be that comfortable with the beads. But for quite a few customers, I have started making uh, bracelets with EM beads. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are saying that it's definitely helping them. Uh, And and I I don't like to advertise them because you're thinking, well, there are only six beads on a bracelet. How can that work for a human being that much bigger than a dog? But it does seem to work. I've made the odd anklets, especially for men... For men who work their dogs outdoors. Sorry, I was thinking they would look lovely with a the, the pair of shorts. And the <laughs> no, no, no. For the men, I only use very manly colours, right? It's their choice, obviously. But it's uh, normally black or like a hunting green or something. Okay. Um, but um, the, the strangest thing, and again, I won't advertise it uh, because it's only anecdotal, but one of my friends, she said, it reduced the arthritis in her hand. That is interesting. That's
0: amazing, That's- isn't it? Um, I'm going to hold it up again, because they do look... Me and Ross McCarthy were talking yesterday.
1: Okay, well, that's the gentleman who...
0: I, I wasn't going to... ...in I, the dishwasher. Was gonna, <laughs> I wasn't going to embarrass
1: him by saying... No, it's like was, he was <laughs> not <mind. laughs>
0: Yeah, it was Ross. It was the washing machine, I think he put it in. Um, but he was saying that they look like friendship bracelets, and, the, you yes. know, friend, friendship bracelets for dogs. Uh, and so I can imagine having them as a bracelet like that. But Indeed. I, I mean, even... You know, I know this sounds. um, Even if they weren't as effective as they are, and they're really, I find them very, very effective. Um,
1: But they they are nice looking as well.
0: I was going to say they just look so gorgeous on the dogs. And I've just got um, from Active Canine Designs from Corinna. She's just brought out a new slip lead called the Celtic Knot Slip Lead, which is beautiful, and it's got a Celtic knot which you hold instead of having a handle they're absolutely stunning um but I got them in my business colors which is purple and nice green purple and green Uh, and they are beautiful and I thought "Mm, I need to replace my dog's uh, blue camel collars with some colors that match my leads now so I'll be placing another order with you because they are fantastic um oh my goodness tanya i could talk to you all day it's been such a joy is there anything else you want to say about your collars before we wrap up no
1: not really i um um i'm just really grateful to my customers because um when i first started this i was quite skeptical for when i first made them for my own dogs and when i saw the results and other people put their trust in me i really started very tentatively saying now you know listen uh For some, it works really well. For some, it doesn't work quite so well. And then I started getting all this amazing feedback. And no, they're definitely not 100% guaranteed. And I do say to people, and I think this is really important um, uh, when they contact me. me, The war against ticks takes more than one weapon. Mm -hmm. Um, I see it a bit like an arsenal of weapons. And like I said, I always say to them, please look into... A pinch of garlic, uh, apple cider vinegar, um, I, I give uh, turmeric paste to my dogs as well, um, etc. Uh, because what, for some people, the collar alone works perfectly. Okay, with others, they need more help because of where they live and how active the tick population is. It does seem like we are, our tick problem is increasing year on year, and I do find that quite worrying. We seem to have more ticks than we used to. Yes. and
0: um, I, I was going to start a controversial subject, but I think I'll just not. <laughs> okay. Bringing dogs in and from abroad and bringing different... Uh, yes, ticks yes. And, and I,
1: would, I would also say the healthier you keep your dog, uh-huh. uh, and in my case with natural means, uh, the, the better they can ward off ticks. So quite often if a tick does land on your dog, and your dog is an example of health, uh-huh. quite likely, the tick will leave. It does seem to like the weaker energies, from what I can gather, but I'm not a scientist.
0: No, it's, I mean, it's like with everything, isn't it? You, you should attack your health. That sounded really wrong, because we don't want to attack our health. We want to boost our health in lots of different ways. So, um, make sure we've got good nutrition, make sure we'll have good sleep yes so we we rest and take good care of mental health and it's and all it's all of um those different things that come together to look after us and it's the same when you're looking at parasite prevention uh you you know you make sure your dog's on a good clean diet keep its gut healthy and yes and and so you're 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 coming at it from lots of different angles to make sure your dog's at its optimum health And, and the same way we do with parasite control as well so the collars fantastic um from the outside in but then when you also need a little something from the inside out as well
1: yeah yeah I often get people contact me saying I've got four dogs and three never pick up ticks but the oldest one picks up it's like a real magnet and I think it could be because he or she is older and it has a weaker energy so quite often if they don't want to buy one for older dogs they will buy one for the weaker dog and that seems to work as well so, you know, but uh, yeah, um, like I said, I'm just really grateful the trust people put into me, and I hope to be able to do this for quite some time to come. I like to keep the price down as much as possible yeah. because I want it to, I, 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 I'm by no means a charity, but I do want it to be accessible for as yeah. many people as possible that want to try it. And let's face it, if a collar lasts you a year and it's £15, that's a heck of a lot cheaper and safer than buying chemical products. Well, it's worth Just over a pound a month? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Just over a pound. So when you look at
0: it like that, you think, well, you know, if you, okay, we're in lockdown at the minute. But if you go for one coffee a month, yeah. then what? That's what? £3 a month just for coffee? That's right. Yeah. So when you look at it that way, they're incredibly good value for money they are well, Thank Where can you. i get one from where can i get them before right them,
1: um so we can get them from i've got to tell you um my husband and a friend are working on making a website for me um sure. i i'm not the most technical minded um that website will be for information only so it's not finished yet because um if uh, i were to allow people to order via the website, I lose that personal contact and I really do like that personal contact. So if people find me on Facebook Mm -hmm. and the bug off natural dog Mm collars and they message me, then I will come back to them as soon as possible. And we normally then move to my personal message thread, which is Uh Tanya. Because it's much easier for me to share the information, the photos, etc. Uh, via my personal message I don't find the business messenger that uh, easy to use and, and copying messages and photos etc uh, and we take it from there um, and uh, depending on how big my order list is it could be anything if I have the color in uh, the, the color in stock from uh, a week um, at the moment I am having some trouble getting the court in quickly uh, so it could be a couple of weeks I even at the moment uh, and that, does complicate things with the virus and all. Um, I've suddenly acquired a lot of customers in Luxembourg. But of course international oh. postage is harder and, and, and dearer. I do have to add on. But all my prices do include UK postage anyway.
0: Oh really? So what so remember fifteen pound including postage. Fifteen
1: pound including postage or if they wanted the black one because I buy the black court in much larger quantities is twelve fifty including postage.
0: You know that's not enough. so Well I think that is, you know, so it's literally a pound a month plus postage. It's yeah.
1: Yeah. But like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm by no means a charity and I have a small profit margin. But for me, it's also important that anybody who would like to try that can afford to try it. Yeah.
0: No, that that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm the same. I sell my books and DVDs very, very reasonably because I'd much rather have more people have access to them than a
1: few yeah. Yeah, a, a, a few privileged. Yeah, absolutely. I would rather
0: help more dogs and more people yeah. than, than narrow and, and I know business coaches have said to me...
1: I'm sorry I haven't taken part in the gun dog challenge. I'm too busy making collars. It's fine, <laughs> it's fine. We've been,
0: um, we gave up a week and it's just gone a bit mad.
1: Uh, I've, so I've really enjoyed watching the videos anyway.
0: The judges put together, you know, I'm, so, I'm going to give them a shout out actually. Um Christine Collins from uh Town and Country did the Retriever, Hannah Spearman from Rebel Richie did the HPR. Uh, Neil Smith from Nuts About Muts did the Spaniel, and uh Richard Ree from Home and Field did The Puppy, and I did the pet yeah. one. Um and the challenges put down were absolutely brilliant. It, yeah. So for me, I think sometimes the challenges can go too far and they can Bring behavior issues in depending on them, or people are having to train, 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 train. Whereas all of them are based around walking on a loose lead, good manners, heel yeah. nice bed, you know, yeah. get your dog on the bed. And so there were all kinds of things that would benefit people generally living with a dog. Mm.
1: So, just,
0: uh, so, yeah, it was a great challenge. And uh, the
1: winners, by the time this goes out, the winners will know who they are because the winners go out tomorrow. I'll be watching. I won't be partaking. Like I said, I am so busy making collars. This is my busiest time of year, obviously, b- with the weather getting warmer. Yeah, and thank you so much for taking
0: time out to talk to me. Not
1: at all, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. Oh, so
0: thank you so much, Tanya. And um, still, I'm gonna talk to you about Audrey the callers. So stay where you are. I'm gonna finish uh, the recording now, but it's been an absolute joy. Same here. I really That's enjoyed normal. it. And
1: I was slightly nervous, but it was lovely.
0: Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And Good. Uh, take it steady. And yeah, look forward to seeing all the new colours coming out. Excellent. Take care, Tanya. Thank take
1: you. Take care. Bye. Bye bye.